dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Mother Natalia. Today's episode is finally, everyone's been waiting for this for so long, Father Michael's episode on sin. So we had on our friend and beloved monk brother, Father Maximus from Holy Resurrection Monastery. And we talk about his his master's thesis, which was on the this concept, this Eastern concept of involuntary sin, which is something we refer to a lot in our liturgies. So we get to hear about how it's even possible to have sin that's involuntary. And and we covered we cover some stuff that's pretty shocking to the Western mindset. So maybe wait to listen to this one until you're in a place of great receptivity and you're you're open to hearing some some pretty shocking, but I think also beautiful thoughts of um, of how we can really, really receive some deeper healing. And you also get to um, see another instance of the vast difference between mine and Father Michael's humor as he shares what is the funniest thing that's happened to him in recent times. Uh, if you are a hashtag banter hater, you're going to want to skip ahead seven minutes past this intro to get to Father Maximus's introduction, and maybe a few minutes after that if you want to get straight to the topic. Christ is risen. Indeed, Indeed is risen. he is risen. Hello, hello. That, that, that beautiful other voice. Uh, where are you from, Father New Zealand? Australia. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did not know if, if that was. <laughs> I did not know if that was a thing. I kind of guessed it was, but you, you there, took that so well. There was a there was a famous prime minister of New Zealand, who in back in the day, back in probably the 60s or 70s, um, was uh, he was a bit of a rascal, and there was a big. Um, Migration sort of from New Zealand to Australia, kind of a brain drain, because in those days it may still be the case, I'm not sure, but you could claim social benefits, social welfare in both countries, had reciprocal agreements. Oh. So he was asked uh, once at a news conference what he thought of the uh, this brain drain, and he said, well, you know, the people who are leaving, I think they're raising the IQ of both countries. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of sums up the relationship between New Zealanders and Australians, yes. as far as I'm concerned. Yes, and I, and I I love the I love the humor as well. I I should pull it up, but this um, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I had a I, I I use Twitter for my news, and I pretty much use Twitter for news and comedy. Um, <laughs> I just, I just I, I love following people that are funny. And um, the there was this tweet yesterday that I thought I thought was just I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. It's exactly my sense of humor. Oh, it's no. it's a girl who I know only from Twitter, um, and she I follow her there, and she just had her first child. And so um, her, her tweet says, crying while the baby cries, like they told me in parenting class. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love that way of humor because mother doesn't get it because she's not a biological mother. Um, but, but in others, it's like, again, I'm just going to say it again. Crying while my baby cries, like they told me in parenting class. Because what they tell you in parenting class is nap while the baby naps. <laughs> oh. Not quiet well, the baby cries. So I can just imagine like a That's new mom. That's the hardest you've laughed in a long time. Oh my gosh, yes. I like just like all of the, all of the, oh, by That's the way, the her name is. celibate, you know. Right. <laughs> her name is Riley. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to botch this, this end of days woman at end of days woman is, is her, is her handle. But it's just like, it's, it's, as I put on my, on my tweet, like it's esoteric because only real mothers know, like they know the rule nap when the baby naps. Like that's not a well-known phrase, but then 
The second part that makes it funny is the cry. Like that's absurd. They nobody would tell you to cry when the baby cries, but most mothers that the baby's crying do feel like crying. You know, just because it's like because like what's going wrong? You know, and that's like but they tell you in parenting class anyway. And then I thought, but that's actually true because mo- a lot of mothers are overwhelmed when the baby's crying, and they do feel like crying too. So anyway, I just it's funny. But the hardest you've laughed in a long time. <laughs> it, I, the hardest I've laughed is something I read. All right. Like, like we had we had an old old lady fall in church, and I, that's probably the <gasps> hardest I've laughed. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. My gosh. You're the worst. <laughs> I am the worst. Oh. All right. So, how are you doing, mother? We'll get we'll introduce father in a moment. But how are you doing, mother? I'm doing well. I guess what I just did right before this recording. Um, well, I took a shower because I was Crazy. disgusting because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I ran 10 kilometers. Goodness hey. I haven't done that in like eight or nine years. Was one of the other nuns ch- chasing you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was a did, slow, it was a slow run. <laughs> let me ask you this. Did, did you catch a marshmallow while you were running? What? <laughs> so in the Boulder Boulder, that's the last time I ran a 10K. The Boulder Boulder is a great 10K run in Boulder, Colorado, and at one of the sto- at one of the places they throw big marshmallows to all the runners, and you you catch it in like full run. And I was one of the people who caught a marshmallow. I was so incredibly proud of myself. Like literally, they just stand holding a bag of marshmallows, and then all the 10K runners are running by. They fling these marshmallows into the into the runners, and I was one of the ones who caught one. I don't. Sorry, even, I need to make this all about me. I need to make it all about me. I'm just trying to picture the. Scene. <laughs> oh, it's it's they they literally have slip and slides, so people because you run through neighborhoods, so they people will put slip and slides on their lawns. They'll throw you marshmallows. They'll have beer. You know, <laughs> all these things they make a good ten k, good ten k. Um, but sorry, mother, I interrupted you, and I feel really I mean, shameful about it. I'm, I don't think you do. Okay. <laughs> that's I. That's just that's the end of the story. I'm just really happy that I ran that far because I haven't in a long time. That's congratulations. I'm I'm actually very very proud of you. I know that running's a thing. And you have and you have heart issues and things like that. So. Yeah, and standing up issues or whatever. It's, it's true. Whatever, whatever <laughs> standing Potts up is, is hard. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what Potts is. It's standing up <laughs> issues. So it's accurate. Hashtag standing up issues. <laughs> Don't hashtag right. that. It's just weird. Um, hey, we have a nice little Australian accent on recording. Yes, some of you already guessed who this is. Some of you saw his name on the social media post or on the topic post. But we have Father Maximus from Holy Resurrection Monastery. Yes, Welcome, Father. Thank you. So, Father, I was I was assigned two and a half years ago to our Proto Cathedral in Sherman Oaks, mm-hmm. um, and I have never wished more that you guys had not moved to <laughs> Wisconsin. You yeah. would have been like two hours from me. It would have been yeah, amazing. I know. I know. You know, I was thinking that the other day. Um, how many trips we would take down, especially to the Romanian community. Mm. Um, that worship there as well. Um, yeah, good times. Good times. Yeah, we we need we need something closer. Um, mm. We have a, there is I just discovered a women's Orthodox monastery right next to Thomas Aquinas College. Correct. Yes. Um, so I've been there a couple times now. If I'm in the area, I'll just go in there and pray. They keep their their temple open, mm-hmm. and it's been really really nice. I'm glad that they they haven't been smoked out or something by fires or right. <laughs> Mudslides or whatever it is, <laughs> right? They're subject to their 
Yeah, I was, talk, I was talking to one of the nuns, and they said, "I forget what it was, but they they share something with Thomas Aquinas. Thomas mm-hmm. Aquinas grows something and gives it to them, and they grow something else. Like one gives honey, and the other gives strawberries or something mm-hmm. like this. And it's kind of the an ecumenical, Practical, shared meal. grassroots ecumenism. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. That's fun. So, uh, so Father. Um, can you give a, uh, I'd love to hear a quick introduction to our listeners about who you are, where you came from, and how you discerned your vocation. Okay, I discerned my vocation when I was about five years old, and then spent the next 15 years trying to um, pretend I didn't have one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I'm Australian, I grew up in a, a Roman Catholic, in a, a son of uh, a Roman Catholic father, convert from the Church of England. He's from both my parents were in the UK. They migrated to Australia because my mother's health required her to live in a warmer climate. She was a Presbyterian until her death this last year. She was converted on her, well, she was received into the Catholic Church on her deathbed. Wow, uh, eternal memory. By That's the priest beautiful. who heard their first commu- first confession. Wow, um, Father Father Pat, family friend, um, and apparently. Uh, and this is sort of, I'm going off in, the, in a different direction, but um, my mother, God bless her, didn't, she wanted for some time to become Catholic, but she was, she was afraid, death, deathly afraid of going to confession. And so we, we kind of grateful that she received um, the, the sacrament of anointing and that she, sort of, she got in on a loophole is what we say. <laughs> anyway, we grew up, I grew up in, in this, uh, in this good Christian family, um, Great childhood, um, very involved in the church until I went to the University of Sydney. I studied uh, for my legal career. I was, thought I'd be a lawyer. Um, didn't really enjoy it, but but in that time, I sort of kind of stuffed my faith down. Um, I sometimes would say that I was an atheist, but I was a very bad atheist because I would keep slipping off to church. <laughs> um, uh, and then... I went for a, went for a, a long trip, three month backpack thing through um, Egypt and Turkey and Greece and um, uh, Western Europe as well, and I had a couple of really profound spiritual experiences on that trip, um, which is probably too much to go into in this in this uh, venue. But um, particularly surrounding, for some reason, the Apostle John, the evangelist, um, he kind of cropped up over and over again. Uh, Some on his tomb in near Ephesus, uh, for example, I ended up without planning on, to be on the island of Patmos, um, which is of course where he wrote, wrote the uh, sorry his, his apocalyptic vision yeah. and uh, wrote the had his dictated the book that we we have in the last book of the Bible, um, and he just kept a, he just kept appearing and this the, the apostle of love as I understand him, uh, and it and, and 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 constantly in in the context of the Eastern churches. And so it was, I, I look back on it and I put it all together and I see that what was happening was not that I was rejecting anything from my, my childhood. I loved, the, in many ways, I, had, I loved the church I grew up in and the, and the tradition that I, that I grew up in. I never rejected it. But I rejected Christ, but Christ never rejected me. And how did that and become a, a monastic vocation? Well, see, that was, that was the thing. For me, the two things always went together. Hmm. Um, if I was going to become, a, if I was going to accept the love of Christ, I was going to accept it all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't really see any other option. I guess I'm, I'm a bit of a, I've been a bit of an addictive, compulsive personality, and that's, for me, it's, it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think, you know, perhaps God uses these flaws sometimes to, um, or these character traits, uh, which have some sometimes both negative and positive aspects. Yeah. Uh, and he maximizes the positive and, and uh, sort of chips away at the negative. Mm. And uh, that way we, we can achieve some kind of um, sanctity. Mm. Beautiful. And I, I love the image of the, the very simple Pontecrater behind your head, Father. Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, I'm in the, what used to be our gift shop, and I think it's one of the uh, last okay. things that, was, that we kept. It's now <laughs> Father Isaac's office, effectively. Uh, ah. we, he, he receives people for advice and spiritual direction. And, oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, it's good. Well, the reason why we wanted you on, Father, um, was because I had this and... I think the spirit has taken this, but I had this realization in, in prayer one time. I think it was following some natural disaster somewhere. And and I, I had a desire to, it was such a tragedy. This was years ago. You know, imagine like Katrina or something like this. And I, I had a desire to do something. It's kind of similar to something that we've talked about in this podcast recently. When you see something really beautiful, and then there's this draw to I must do something about this. It's kind of how I've defined the fear of God is is awe with consequences. So we stand in mm. awe of something, but we must respond. There, 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 there's a necessary response. And so when I've seen something really beautiful or encountered even more so, encountered somebody very beautiful, and that there there must be there must be some response. And then that response for the Christian is, is thank you, you know, because mm. beauty is, is a revelation of God, and 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 God the revelation is a gift. A gift in his grace given to us. Mm-hmm. So, but the same was true when there's a tragedy, when there's something negative. I, I want to do something. We all do. It's built into our humanity, I think, to want to do something. And it, it's hard to to know what to do when there's when there's a natural disaster or something that that on the surface there's no there's no cause. There's just a bunch of questions. Um, and I thought, well, you know, that there is a tradition in the church in the West and the East of, of some what doing reparations. There, there's a put, putting effort in um, that we didn't intentionally cause this, but we certainly sin. And 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 natural disaster is a result of of a fallen world that came from sin. So so can I strive for holiness? Can I pray, fast, and give alms? And is that is that that ascetic practice? Is that a, a proper response and actually a helpful response to this? And then I, I remembered something I learned in the seminary, seminary about involuntary sin, and and I uh, I forget what the context I brought it up. I think I brought it up on a podcast and just said, you know, we we have involuntary sin. We mentioned many times in our liturgy. So I brought it up, and then and then uh, Deacon Jonathan Dean sent me the blog that he's written based upon your work. On your doctoral dissertation, so masters, masters yeah. was it masters? Okay, yeah, yeah. excuse me, your, your your master's thesis. So, um, so yes, I I would love, you know, again, we, we trying to trying to share the truth, the truth in in love with with people who are trying to be holy and trying to receive God's gift of of the salvation of their soul. Um, this is obviously something very dear to you. Um. Can you give a, a quick summary of, of how you understand and what you found in your studies to be the heart of, of what we call in the liturgy involuntary sin? Can, can I add a question to that? Sure, please. If, if, you, if you happen to just have it in the back of your mind, Father Maximus, uh, I'm, I'm curious as to 
what inspired you to even make this mm. the topic of your thesis? Like, what was it that drew you to this, and and how did you get there? Great as well? question. Yeah, and those questions go together. Um, well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It did, as I said to you earlier, it uh, made me go back and uh, read from my stuff from a time when I seemed to have more more of a brain. Um, <laughs> But you know, it, it was rooted not so much in, in an academic um, concern, but in, in a real spiritual concern. Um, I think one of the things that most struck me when I heard the Byzantine liturgy and the prayers of the Byzantine liturgy in English, in my own language, was this phrase that was constantly repeated, all sins voluntary and involuntary. We ask for forgiveness for these sins. And I remember asking my abbot, Father, who the man who since became, he wasn't my abbot then, but he was, this was back in Australia, it's that long ago, 93 or 92, because mm. um, we came to America in 94, started the monastery the following year. It was a long way back, and I remember asking him, what does this, this mean? And he was typically sort of gnomic in his response, um, sort of a bit mysterious. He said, well, you know, we're not in the East, we're not so much Augustinian, we're more Irenaean. Mm. And you have to remember that. I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> but I, I, I nodded sagely and, and pretended I knew what he was talking about. And, uh, <laughs> because, and uh, you never want to admit weakness. That's the Australian male uh, mm. mantra. <laughs> um, but it, it, stick, it stuck with me for a long time. And so when I did go to, to um, do my master's at the uh, Patriarch Athenagoras Institute uh, in part of the um, uh, GTU in Berkeley, California, uh, I had to come up with something and I thought this would be interesting thing to, to, to focus on. And what it turned into was it was a very interesting thing uh, because I, I think w w to me what, what the phrase opens up or the concept of involuntary sin opens up is a window into what you, I've called the moral vision of the orthodox hmm. faith, orthodox tradition. And by orthodox here I, I include, I, I mean both all those who followed the Byzantine rite, Amen. which is all I was dealing with, that is to say the Orthodox and Eastern Catholics. Uh, probably the same could be said for other Eastern churches like the Copts and the Syrians and so forth, the Syrians, Chaldeans, but I don't know about their tradition, so I didn't write about them. Um, so this moral vision, what is this moral vision? It's a vision centered on theosis, centered on what we aspire to be in Christ, what Christ makes possible through the, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, is to become one with the Holy Trinity in the perichoresis, the, the sort of round dance uh, that is um, our, to be our heavenly existence. Um, and as, in, in the course of my research, I realized that this, this notion of um, involuntary sin actually appears several times in the, in the scriptures. Um, hmm. uh, of course, most famously in the passage in St. Paul, in, to the Romans, where he talks about, he says, I do not, I, I don't know why I sin. I don't know why, I, I don't do, I don't do the things I want to do and the things mm -hmm. I don't want to do, I do. Um, paraphrasing, of course. And St. Augustine, bless him, uh, was um, confronted by this passage um, by a, a, heresy, a heretic, a Manichaean he was in debate with. And because, of course, St. Um, Augustine was arguing that sin evil has no substantial form, has no, is, is not an independent principle. There's only, he was arguing against dualism, 
But here was a dualist, because the Manichees believed that there were two gods, essentially, to a, a good god and, a, and an evil god, a good principle and an evil principle, dark and light. And he was saying, look, here you have St. Paul saying, I do th- I, I, I'm dominated by this evil that I have no control over. So there must be two principles. And Augustine had to think and, and scratch his head. And, and, and we, have the, we have the actor of this debate, because everything, after his conversion, pretty much every word that Augustine ever said was, was written down by someone. Um, and so he actually went away overnight and came back with a different argument. Hmm. You actually can see the, the wheels in his mind turning. And, he, and, he, and he, he talks about this in his book, The Retractions, at the end he talk, uh, of his writing, of his uh, career. He goes back and he says, you know, these are the things I, I wish I hadn't said, hmm. or I wish I'd said more clearly. And he says, uh, essentially, what St. Paul is saying is that because of the fall, humanity is so corrupt that we can't control ourselves. It's a measure of how fallen we've become. Hmm. But, I, but what I discovered is the Greek tradition doesn't, doesn't think like that at all. The Greek tradition, going back probably to St. Irenaeus, um, uh, through, through him to St. Ignatius of Antioch and even to John the Evangelist, uh, and then pro- probably also even with Clement of Alexandria, certainly, uh, certainly with later fathers like Gregory of Nyssa, uh, St. Maximus the Confessor, St. Dionysius, St. John Damascene, you have a, you have, and then St. Gregory Palamas, you have a line of, um, of thought, a, a tendency of thought perhaps, even a, a climate of thought in which the fallenness of humanity is not a measure of how corrupt we become, but of how much we need, we, we need salvation. Mm. Uh, and of what the, so the, the, the concept of, of involuntary sin does not say how bad we are, but how wonderful life can be yeah. once we become freed from it. Mm. Um, and that's a, that, is a, that has practical effects um, on important moral questions like... Um, uh, well, the two, the two I, I, I mentioned, in my, uh, I use as examples in my thesis were um, miscarriage uh, and um, behaviour in war, violence, uh, attitudes of violence, uh, um, where you have people who, who feel very strongly that they have to do acts, perform acts that they don't want to. They're, they're bound by necessity to... Um, for example, in the case of, a, let's say, a, a woman with a, an ectopic pregnancy. Um, you know, the traditional Western Roman Catholic uh, scholastic um, theology, going back to St. Thomas Aquinas, and I, st- I would argue, um, having its roots in the Augustinian tradition, although Augustine doesn't believe so much in this question of double effect, this idea of double effect, um, Western moral theology sort of carves out uh, exceptions to rules and says you can do certain things if your intention is good uh, and you don't intend an evil, uh, you know, the bad effect, but you can, you can, and, and it becomes very cut and dried and legalistic. Whereas our attitude to, we would just say, this is just an involuntary sin. Hmm. You're doing something you don't want to do. And that has the, the, the great advantage of, so in the case of an ectopic pregnancy, um, because the life of the mother is, is, is completely endangered, the, the fetus cannot survive. So it's, the, the normal pr- procedure would be to remove the fetus, and of course the fetus dies, the baby dies. Um, does this cause, and what it usually causes is tremendous sadness. Mm-hmm. The, the doctrine of double effect, which is the Western contribution to the problem, 
may deal with the, the legalities, as it were, of the, of, the, of the moral act. But we have to deal with the pastoral reality as well. We have to address the sense of shame and, and that, that is, it's irrational, but it's often there. Um, and so by calling that sin, if, you, if it's properly understood, because sin is not a moral crime for us, sin is finding ourselves to be where we don't want to be, it's that the moral vision has become occluded, as it were, by, um, some, by, by some necessity that we, some, something that's out of control. Um, we, can, we can accommodate the, the, the inevitable uh, sadness, fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, um, and that, that is the, the participants in the, in the, in the, in the um, event feel, and we can address it even liturgically. So, uh, in the Orthodox tradition, we have a, um, in the book of the Ephkologion, or the book of needs, a prayer for a woman who has had a miscarriage. And it is exactly the same prayer for a woman who's had an abortion. Mm. And that sounds ridiculous yeah. <laughs> from a Western point of view. And uh, I have only ever used that prayer one time. I've dealt with many situations where my own mother had a, had a uh, miscarriage. Um, I wasn't obviously in, in pastoral relationship with her, but uh, I would never have used this prayer with her. And I wouldn't use this prayer with, many, with most uh, um, people whose phronema, whose mindset is still governed by Western legalism. Hmm. And that's basically most of us. Yeah. But, from the, but if you deep, delve deeply into the Orthodox tradition, I believe that there are, for some people at least, They are able to accept a level of imperfection and a level of sadness which opens themselves up to receive a greater measure of mercy um, because they're not um, afraid of it. Hmm. I don't think any of that makes any sense, but... Uh, it it does that. That's a, a fascinating part of all of this. I had not yet considered um, the reason why, Father, that that I have not attempted to do this podcast on my own, um, and even attempted one time, it was not content was enough to, say, to. We have attempted it. <laughs> we, we we actually attempted it, and and I was not content enough with the with the way it came out to publish it. Um, that's why we we just had you on, which is, I think, the the solution to this. But um, one of the things I had not yet considered, because I as well, and Mother, we all came from a Western perspective. I think there are even our American culture, and I'm sure Australian culture as well, is is saturated with this culture that, that we have uh, such a, a tendency to shame, as you yeah. mentioned. And 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 we we don't everything is gonna shame us. I just this morning to get to give a practical example to our listeners, this morning I I was heading out to get my morning coffee and, and I, I encountered someone and I I was like fighting being frustrated by being distracted from going to my coffee. And in my in my head I was like, this is ridiculous. Why am I so anxious right now? Like I'm gonna get my coffee. I'm gonna get back. It's just coffee. I just I wanna do it. But then I thought the reason why is because I didn't get up early enough. I wanted to be up at 7.30, I got up at 7.50, and that took 20 minutes off my day. And then also, I did not prepare enough well for this well enough for this podcast. That's on my mind. I also did not prepare well enough for the leave-taking of Pascha Madness this morning. That's on my mind. So all of these things, I was, I was irritated 
at somebody else because I was actually irritated at myself. And, mm-hmm. and I was realizing how much shame I was feeling from all these little things that I, that I wasn't doing right. Um, so being so saturated with shame, that th- what you just said is intriguing to me in the, in the sense that are we just saying, and this is actually a, a fairly recent Disney movie, are we saying that we, we are adverse to, sad, to sadness? Are well, we I think s- so. Yeah. yeah I, think, well, I think we're, we're you know, we, we don't like any these challenging um, emotions. Mm. Uh, I don't even call them negative. They're just challenging, um, difficult emotions. Um, you know, and so we do anything we can to, um, to get rid of them. Instead, what I think um, this tradition is, this, the, the patristic tradition is calling us to is to walk, work, um, as it were, go through them rather than go around them. Mm. You know, call them what they are. Sin. Hamatia. I'm not where I want to be. This is not who I want to be. This is, this is not my vision of myself. Um, this is exactly what, so freedom, right? Because this, this implicates the, 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 um, our understanding of what freedom really is. Uh, that's the heart of the notion of voluntary or involuntary. You know, what does it mean to be free? Well, for most um, of our contemporaries and for ourselves, when we think in contemporary ways, freedom means freedom of choice. Um, so what, uh, but the reality is um, we really have very little freedom of choice. Um, what, what we have is freedom to either be or not to be. Um, the reason we have freedom is to is God gives us freedom is to be is to realize our true true nature our true self, um, and when insofar as we fail to that do that that's a failure of freedom not not a not not a use of freedom mm-hmm. but a, but a failure in freedom a failure to to become who we want really truly are, um, you know, you talk about. Um, Getting frustrated by those little things that, that irritate you. It's the same with me this morning. Um, we have a lady who comes every now and again to um, morning prayer, and she stays for a little while. And she, and on the way out, she's almost always she's she's a very squeaky and annoying voice. And, and, <laughs> she, doesn't uh, yeah, she doesn't listen. I hope she doesn't um, listen. <laughs> but uh, she, she, um, and she always talks. And of course, we're supposed to have silence until the end of matins. Oh. And uh, she came in and she wanted to know if she could cut some of our lilac today. And first of all, it's not my job to tell her yes or no to cooking the lilac. But I, she, I, but, um, but I just wanted to quiet. I, I just wanted to tell her to be quiet, but I didn't. But I, mm. at least not with my voice, but maybe, maybe with my head, my, my eyes. Um, but is that the kind of, is that the person I want to be? No. Mm. Uh, did I choose to be mean-spirited and grumpy and irritable? Mm. No. Um, that's a, that's a, at least a partly involuntary sin, and it's a reflection of how I, where I don't want to be. You know, so that's a little on the, on the small scale, you know, but it also operates at the great scale. I talked about um, the, the issue of um, ectopic pregnancies. Uh, another classic example would again coming from um, the tradition is that of violence and war. And again, Western um, tradition tends to. Th- Treat the issue as a as one of uh, of, of a legal um, question: Is the war just? Is the violent act just? Like, is it self defence, or is it some, or is the the, the target of the uh, of the offensive the offensive uh, legitimate target? Uh, we Saint Basil, the Great, when he thinks comes, he puts his mind to this question. 
doesn't talk anything in the in, doesn't talk about the just war, as in Augustine would, for example, a little bit later. St. Basil says, look, effectively he says, look, we're going to have wars. It's inevitable. But when the soldier comes back, he's really got to stay away from communion for three years. Hmm. Um, and, and this penance is, is not a punishment. It's a way of restoring his... Um, it's not about... See, the, the difference as I see it is that where, where the West... And this is, of course, I'm being very, um, this is a caricature, of course, but the caricatures, caricatures are sometimes useful because they do illustrate uh, real differences. Um, the West tends to think of morality in terms of the criminal law, crimes. Does the, is there a grave matter here? Is there, is there, and is there the proper mental state, mens rea, mm. would be the legal, legal term. We don't so much see it as a matter of the criminal law. We see it much more as a matter of the schoolroom and the hospital bed, mm. the sick bed. It's about uh, being brought back to health. And so the soldier who has killed and seen violence on the, on the battlefield comes back in need of being, uh, as it were, re, uh, sort of re-educated in the, in, the, in, the, in the Christian life, the spiritual life, back to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, and also, probably even more, needs healing. And that's, a, that's an ancient insight that today's gone, surely has even, we see that um, even more clearly with our understanding of trauma, and trauma response and, and uh, deep, uh, the deep trauma that, that uh, certainly our, not only our veterans you know, face, yeah. but you know, so many of us face, you know, because we face, we've had to deal with difficult childhoods or um, situations in life, mental illness, um, abuse, uh, all of these things inevitably affect uh, people so that we find ourselves, as St. Paul says, doing what I don't want to do and not doing what I want to do. Um, and what our tradition is saying is don't, you, you don't need to feel guilty about that. You need to look to, to the one who's able to free you from mm. that. And in freeing you from that, lead you ever more from away from the involuntary, from unfreedom, to becoming more intentional and 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 uh, enabled through a, a liberated will to become who you truly are and who you truly want to be. This this is really fascinating to me because one of the things that I um, one of the things that I, I brought up when Father Michael and I attempted to record this podcast before towards the end, what I brought up is the the beauty of this view to me that seems so shocking like you're like you're saying father maximus and and you say in your in your thesis as well that just this is shocking you know the thought of something like miscarriage being called mm. a sin um mm. or even like natural disasters or things like this you know um mm. the thing that's uh that the beauty i see within it is so many women who maybe have had miscarriages or just or just people who have experienced trauma like you're like you're talking about father maximus or or any kind of of evil any kind of disorder anything that is just objective separation from a good whether they've intended it or not um there's something interior there 
there's a wound that's caused and a wound that is bleeding. And giving it a name like this also allows for a place for us to go in order to start healing that wound. Um, mm. And so, so confession... Confession in the East is very much may, this. I shouldn't just say in the East. Maybe this was true of the West as well. I'm just admitting my ignorance of the West here. I but in the Eastern tradition, at least, um, confession is. It's actually listed as one of the the sacraments of healing. Like it's mm. the in the mysteries, it's it's listed as one of those of healing. Of we're going to confession, not just to like be given our pronounced sentence or judgment or something like that's not the point of confession. The point is to go to the, to the divine physician and to say, I'm hurting. I have these wounds and I need you to heal them. And so uh, a conversation I had with my confessor, uh, the, the confessor that I have here, I obviously like ideally my confessor would be my spiritual father, but since Father Michael lives in Los Angeles, uh, that doesn't work very frequently, uh, only once or twice a year. And so the rest of the time, my confessor is is someone here. And the one that came on my heart in prayer to ask to be my confessor is a Roman Catholic. And so I, I had a conversation with him when I asked him to be my confessor of just, I, I wanted him to understand this Eastern concept of um, the, the mystery of, of confession or of repentance or of reconciliation, whatever we want to call it, because it can be very strange. I bring things to confession in which from a Western mindset, it's like, I've maybe done no wrong here. There's nothing, there's no blame that could be assigned to me here, but there's, there is a situation in which an evil has occurred mm-hmm. and I'm hurting because of it mm-hmm. and I need healing in this hurting. Um, yeah. And so so one of the beauties I see in this giving this a name, in, in allowing confession to be a place to bring these things is like how many women have had a miscarriage who talk about how they're hurting and they don't even know what to do with that. Like they don't know how to get any sort of healing there. Um, and And- we literally have a sacrament for this. <laughs> so. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, personally, the prayer itself in the in the Book of Needs um, probably needs to be updated. Um, I, I probably it probably is out, outmoded, um, precisely because it's so difficult to, to apply pastorally in in Western uh, well in in contemporary culture, because it it, re- it requires so much unpacking uh, that. Um, it's yeah. uh, it's almost impractical. Um, like I say, I've used it once mm-hmm. with, a, with a woman who was essentially brought up um, in in, uh, in Eastern Europe. So she was brought up with a, with a different in a different way, different phronema, different mindset. Because if you don't understand it, it it's just offensive. It would just be offensive. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I actually had when I was a little bit more in, in favor of the of the prayer. I actually had a, a sit down argument with. Um, it was, well, it was Sister Vassa uh, from uh, who's a Roko nun, um, and uh, she's quite well known. Um, and it was, I, it was she was very, very critical of that prayer. And uh, I thought it was sort of amusing that he was this unit monk uh, talking to a, a Roko <laughs> nun, and defending something in the in the Eftlogion, uh, uh, the Trebnik. Um But she convinced me actually that uh, <laughs> so it was time for the prayer to be. Uh, uh, at least, at least another prayer, an alternative uh, prayer, um, 
deep put in the in the as as a as a way of uh, accommodating modern sensibilities. But as far as you know, confession goes, well, that, actually, the, the, go back to the um, the thing about uh, natural disasters. Uh, uh, we have in the in the services for earth in, in case of earthquakes. Uh, we say ex- explicitly, the hymn writer says, puts it into our lips to, to sing, you know, the earth is, is punished for our sins. Mm. Now, the, the ultimate human uh, tragedy is death. Uh, of course, you know, that is central to our understanding. Um, as, well, I think this is universally the, the case in Christianity that uh, death is here because of our sin. Um, whether or not for sin, uh, well, death would certainly be a very different experience. Um, uh, the um, and then confession as healing. See, I could never get that when I was growing up. As a, I think that was one of the things I I really struggled with, because I I always felt that confession was my going in front of the judge. Mm. And when I discovered this other way of looking at it. It was precisely that, 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 as I said, you know, Christ loved me back into his, into his arms. Uh, that's how he's done it, um, by, by making me see that confession can be a beautiful moment of reconcilia- real reconciliation, um, where, he, where, where all the movement comes from his side. And I just have to, I just have to let it all flow over me. Hmm. Uh, I'm no longer worried about whether or not I get everything in to the confession. Hmm. Um, I just say what you just said, Mother. That I'm really hurting here, mm. and when I hear confessions, that's all. That's all. You know, I I'm really interested in hearing from other people, like the, the people who come to me for confession. I don't want um, a, a shopping list, and I don't think Jesus wants a shopping list. Uh, and this is a controversial thing to say in the Catholic Church, but you know, I don't think. That um, number and and kind is all that useful. Um, you know, I, I th- you know, I, I remember hearing the the, the confession. Of it. I, I think I can say this without giving away any 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 something. I don't think I'm breaking the seal by saying this because I won't identify this person. But a young religious once confessed to me. <laughs> it's not Mother Natalia. <laughs> no, it's not. Me. <laughs> confessed to me the sin of vainglory mm. seven times. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. How do you define that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, seven looks in the mirror. I don't know. What they're, they're, they're. Um, so some, some people get really head up about these things. It definitely uh, wasn't me because mine would have been much higher. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine would have been well, higher at one stage of my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, healing is the, is the, is the key to it. Um, we don't see sin as primarily... Um, what we've done wrong, mm. but where we've gone wrong. And that's a different thing. Mm. And what's wrong in our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where we are uh, and where we want to be. Hmm. Not what we've done wrong, but where we've gone wrong. Mm. Um, I, I can see how incredibly freeing this would be um, for people. And I, I, I know that, I mean, I think I would actually argue. I've been hearing confessions for less time than you have, Father. But I, th- I think I could argue that that living in the West, in a Western culture, uh, for at least a time, someone uh, I don't. I mean, someone that grew up in, in that culture um, as like a maybe a stepping stone could give number and kind as, as a 
as a so that they're not hating themselves walking out or so fearful of something. Yeah. Um, but that's 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 a, a part of the process of healing, and I, I do think that that's a very um, that that fits well in a, in a certain, as you mentioned, Father, kind of scholastic mindset where where that makes sense in that context. Um, and whereas we trying to do the the Eastern Christian thing in in a Western culture is is you know definitely an uphill battle. Um, even in my own soul, in my own heart, um, trying to understand what that looks like. But tell me if I'm wrong here, Father. So could you say? Could you say another definition of this involuntary sin could be, I have observed evil. I have observed something that, that, that the, the proper response is sadness and, and, and a mourning process, whether that's violence in war or, or a miscarriage or even violence done to me. Or, or you know, some some tragedy I've seen, like the where they record this is the day after the the horrible, horrible school, shoot, school oh, shooting no, in Texas. No, you know, no. it, like I I observe I observe this. I mean, I think he killed what eighteen fourth graders. Yeah. It's it's like oh. it, it it's it's absolutely incredible. And and I think you know I've observed this. Even I've observed this on social media. I've observed it on TV. You know, and and I I say this is this has been debilitating. Whether it was I was directly affecting me or not, and so there needs to be a time of healing that may involve confession. And I go to confession. And I say, you know, I I have observed things I did not want to observe, and they have not been helpful. Um, and and then there's a place within the sacramental life of the church, the Holy Mysteries, for confession and to bring it there. And then also, I, I, I did not know, Father, thank you for sharing that, that it is a tradition that that if you go to war and you you cause violence, even though it's it's what it's an unfortunate reality, but something that 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 you did and that you may do again, you know, yeah. and you don't I, receive Eucharist for three years. That's I, I certainly prefer that. Um, again, as long as it's unpacked properly for people and they have they developed the correct phronema, I certainly prefer that to um, visions of uh, or scenes of uh, Russian Orthodox priests uh, blessing Russian tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the way to um, and, and missiles on their way to Ukraine, um, but of course we do the same thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Essentially, um, in, in our, our situations as well, so we, we pray for the defeat of our enemies, um, as though uh, we, we were, had a divine mandate uh, to, to fight. Uh, that's never been the the uh, this, this, the, uh, the orthodox. Um, well, not the, I shouldn't say that. Uh, there is there is a debate within orthodoxy, as there is within Catholicism, uh, and in within the Christian re- religion generally. You know, to what extent and when do we justify violence? Mm. But um, the, the question of you know being exposed to evil is a very good one because, or a very profound one, because what really raises the, the, the even deeper question: what evil is evil? Mm-hmm. Uh, and does. Does evil have its own mode of existence, uh, or, or uh, is, it, is it a principle in its, in its own right? Um, the, 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 most of the fathers would say, no, evil is not a thing, it's the absence of a thing. Only good is a thing. Uh, only the, only the, the, it is not natural, because only God creates natures. Evagrius is very clear on this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually not even a Christian principle. It's it's a it's a Platonic or Neoplatonic anyway uh, principle. Um, Platonism and Aristotelian um, notions all sort of mixed together, and um, you can trace that, that, that all the way through. That you know, the, the, if because it goes back to the the problem of um, how do you get diversity out of unity, um, which is a philosophical problem. And, and for, for the Neoplatonic tradition, you get you get you you can resolve the problem by sort of um, seeing that uh, the the diversity is touches the external manifestation of the internal reality. In other words, energy and essences, which is which you get um, sort of developed in, in Christian uh, Orthodox Christian uh, terms through. Uh, St. Gregory Palamas comes sort of to um, to its final um, uh, expression there. But uh, so, for example, um, fire is in its uh, essence combustion. It's it's whereas but and it's in its uh, energy that is how we how we experience this combustion is heat. Uh, God in his energy is loving, and his in his essence is love. Mm. Um, what this is uh, from this you get to um, we let's see we were talking about what did, how do they get to this talking um, about like observing observing evil and what evil is yeah so what is evil um, is it is it an energy mm. in case what's the essence mm. what is it what, what's what's its its motivating uh, force what's where's its source well if it has its if its own mode of, of, of existence, own principle of existence, then God must have created it. Mm. And that, that means God is the, the, the creator of evil. Or it has its, its own independent mode of existence, in which case it has, has its own principle, which is, makes us dualists again. We become mannequins. Mm-hmm. So the only possible solution is it, it must be the absence of something. It's the absence of principle. Um, so that's, that, you know, when you, when you, uh, Put that into practice. You say that when people come to confession, they're not really confessing anything real. They're confessing the unreal that has um, entered into their life and experience, which is temporary uh, and uh, and uh, and ephemeral, and needn't weigh you down to the, to the extent that you think it does, um, and. The, tr- the, the, the re- relief from the from this um, problem that we call sin lies precisely in just letting go, mm-hmm. not beating yourself up, not not making yourself more um, guilty and shame filled, but in letting God's love in to sh- to take the place of the, the sh- of the of the uh, the absence that that uh, that evil took took advantage of as it were as a parasite. Um, in other words, when we are when we find ourselves in the presence of evil, we are essentially living in the shadow. Mm. And what Christ does is he brings the light, oh joyful light. Yeah. That's that's beautiful, Father. And l- let me ask you one thing um, that other listeners may have a question. I certainly do. Um, when 
Like that is so beautiful and so attractive when I'm the one in the confessional and I can mm-hmm. say, I've come here to be re-educated and I've come here to be healed. Mm-hmm. I've come here to for these two things. But how do how do I, from a pastoral perspective, how do I counsel the victim? Because, yes. because they, they're saying the person who hurt me is just is is not feeling the weight of what they've done, and and how how does that fit into this whole picture? Yeah, um, and of course we have to remember it's voluntary and involuntary sin, right? Mm. Uh, so I mean, it, we I can't deny that there is we have the capacity to to will. Uh, uh, although um, there's also the mixed case, which is I think is probably the most common. Uh, I think most most. Most of our experiences of evil um, come from uh, some source where both the the, uh, the the wanting and the not wanting of of, of the uh, the evil is is uh, is more common um, uh, is present. Oh, the victim! This is ultimately the problem of evil. Um, how does how does uh, a loving God? Allow this these this shadow land to coexist um, with his with his light, uh, even for even for a time, um, because there's no easy answer to it, except the fact that Christ is the Father's Christ is the Father's answer to that question. Hmm. Christ is the is the answer. In other words, we don't get re- relief from suffering, we get a companion in suffering. Mm. Um, I'm I'm hesitating here because I know that you can't necessarily just say that to a person, Mm. a a person who's, who's, say, in a marriage where one of the spouses is abusing the other Mm. and there are kids involved and, um, or, or, um, you know, um, you, you have a, not even necessarily if there's that that kind of evil, but say you have a a person who's just worn out because of having to look after a a parent with Alzheimer's. Mm. How do you you counsel these people very gently Mm. and with with great uh, patience and compassion and listening because what you what what you what you're doing is you are midwifing them into a new kind of existence, um, one in which the pain they're currently suffering becomes, as it were, the uh, I'm trying to think of the way, best way of finishing the metaphor. Has become the, the 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 doorway through which they've walked into um, deeper wisdom. It seems to me too that just to go back to what you said, Father Maximus, of our it, it's not that we're relieved of suffering; it's that we have a companion in suffering, and so if the victim in whatever this situation is, if if Christ is their companion with suffering, they are suffering with him on the cross. 
And so mm-hmm. I think part of our role there as the one receiving their suffering, as the one giving counsel in their suffering, is to be Mary and to be John at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that means giving very pro- practical advice. I mean, sometimes it means get out of the marriage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it means, you know, take a day off, get some, 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 uh, you know, some home health care, you know, um, don't don't wear yourself out. You're not doing anybody any good. I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's as practical as that. Um, but even then, there's no choice. See, there are no good choices. Mostly, uh, that's usually why we talk about victims. Yeah. Because if they weren't if they were good choices, they wouldn't be in that predicament. Um, and it's, it's precisely in the lack of choice that they feel uh, so uh, diminished as as. as um, as people, they they feel um, neglected and left left uh, as God has abandoned them. Um, and our the only thing we can do is tell them the good news. Mm. And that's all we got is the good news, uh, at least the news we call good. And that is that Christ is here. Mm. God is with us. Yeah, no, and there. No, please, Father, go ahead. No, just the two or three are gathered. You know, he, he is with in our midst. Um, that was all. I, I think there's, uh, it would be, and I, I'll, I'll warn our listeners that I, I think this is this is a concept that's very foreign to our Western culture and to most priests, even Byzantine Catholic, and I imagine even Orthodox priests that you go into, if you, you, if you go into confession, you, you, you're going to want to, if you're going to bring up anything like this, you're going to want to preface your, your sins with, with I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be bringing things up in confession because I've come to the physician of soul and body. I'm going to be bringing them up uh, for, for healing and for re-education. I know that there are things that I say that I am not culpable for. There are things that I did not, I did not intentionally do. There's even things I've been victim of um, and, and a lot of unknown. But I'm saying these things because in the context of this great mystery, I, I, I know that God pours out his healing grace and I'll ask for a penance that is is a prescription, is medicine mm-hmm. to take from this once I've left the healer, um, to to make sure the healing uh, continues, um, and and things like that. Because I I once had this thought, you know, someone said to me, Father, what if you're ever falsely accused of something? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Well, that the Christ Himself was falsely accused and they took his life. Like this is, Jesus Christ is is the message. Like that should be the most comforting evil that we suffer is being mm-hmm. falsely accused. And even death itself, death itself is an evil because it's a separation of soul from body. Even though Christ uses it as an opportunity, we were not intended, death was not intended in our creation. So there's a, there's a, a sense of evil happening that we can that we can in a sense spend time mourning well because that's what I'm hearing from you, Father, as well. Is is even if we've just observed sin or been the victim of sin or of evil, like that we need a healing process. We need to get back, and 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 some of that is a mourning process. We have to be, as you said, Father. We have to be get better at being sad and 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 mourning, and we need to understand that it's a process and it's going to take time to get there. And whether we're the victim or someone we love is the victim or the victims on the other side of the world and we just heard about it. Um, this process can involve confession. It can involve actually holding off. I made that's in a, a podcast for the time because we're running out of time, but holding off from the Eucharist in, in a sense as a, because it, I want the Eucharist to draw me in and, and to be the, the capstone. See, this is what I think is really important. Um, so I want to get this in. Um, Please. The, 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 the aim 
of the, this entry into a new moral vision is not to become, uh, to, to see the rules in a different way. Mm. Uh, or, no, actually it is to see the rules in a different way, but not to see another set of rules. Right? Um, uh, but rather to develop what I, what I call a, a kind of new sensitivity to, to questions of how I should act in the world, how I should, how I should make choices. Um, and that's, uh, that in other words, be, become more trained in, uh, have my spiritual senses healed by uh, prayer and fasting, almsgiving, asceticism, uh, participation in the life of the church, uh, so that we become, as we become holier, we become wiser, more prudent, um, we become more compassionate. Uh, we see more clearly where we should go. We don't. We don't fret so much. We don't become so anxious. We become more serene, which is to become comfortable with life's un, uh, unexplained problems. Um, and that's, to me, the the real aim of this concept. This concept of involuntary sin. Um, it's it's to lead to uh, a greater sensitivity to the effects. That evil has on me, um, and therefore the effect that good has on me as well. Hmm. Uh, to be, to live more freely in the world, which is to discover my own true identity, and through asceticism, and through the grace that comes through through that uh, life in Christ, become the saint. Uh, who is the only true free person um, in, in, in the world. Amen. A quick practical question, Father, before we go. Um, if, if someone, as I've said many times to my flock, you know, theosis is the goal, union with God is, is mm-hmm. and the fulfillment of that in heaven, holiness, union with God is the goal. Uh, and that, that is accomplished through not only the seven holy mysteries, not only the seven sacraments, but in in everything else we do, in small acts like the sign of the cross, in in harder acts like washing our neighbor's feet, or, or you know serving the poor, um, you know the the asceticism of prayer, exactly Jesus' prayer, mothers holding up her child key, all these things. But if and and that's I think the place to take all of this um, is is to the the basic means of the growth and holiness that the church offers. But if someone wanted to, uh, through the guidance of their spiritual father, or just after listening to this, wanted to bring something to confession that that, that they had processed in these ways um, that was an involuntary sin, um, what would that look like? How, how would you as a confessor want to hear someone explain that? I, I think with humility, which is to say with just to to... to take a, a realistic look at their, at their life and say, um, this is how it was. This is how it is. Hmm. Uh, as opposed to what, what I often do um, is um, project a, a false, a, a, a fake, a mask, you know, a persona that I want to be. Uh, and, and the way I do it is I say, um, Here's my problem, and this is how, I, how I'm going to solve the problem. That's not humble. That's that, that's putting myself at the, the centre of the of the of, of the uh, of the of the matter, um, trying to keep control. No. Christ asks us to become like little children. I'm hurting. 
I'm, I'm in pain. I don't know what to do. I just leave it there. And I'm not saying that the confessor then will have necessarily the, the best advice, <laughs> but you're, you're leaving yourself open to the grace yeah. that, that can reshape our, our perspective. Um, which is to say the, you know, the grace for us, of course, is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that humility, um, honesty, and, uh, and the willingness to accept God, that grace, uh, that's, all, that's all you need. Amen. You don't need to worry about you coming up with the, the, the shopping list mm. um, or even an accurate description just to say I'm hurting. Just, just tell the truth. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. And I, I really do hope that our listeners take this, see this as an opportunity. Because yeah. um, I think that's what it is to, to, in a sense, to see confession, to see the life of faith, to see what guilt and shame, uh, to see the, the again, the, the moral vision that, that orients mm-hmm. us towards union with God, what it means to observe sin, be the victim of sin, what it means to, to have hope. In, in, in Jesus Christ and his drawing us closer through the making sure that we are re-educated in the good with which we're created and created for, um, that we, we understand that our own brokenness, our own weakness and, and see Christ as a solution, as the healer mm-hmm. in that reality. And, and how this slight change of mindset or sometimes a big change of mindset um, can can actually be very, very helpful towards a stillness, a, a hesychasm, if you will, a, a stillness that allows us to grow and, and be, as Father Maximus said, humble um, in our, our approach to our own weakness and in humble before um, what that process is gonna look like through the work of Jesus Christ. So um, Father, actually before that, Mother, do you have any any final words? Any thoughts, any th- anything on insights? No, this has just been, it's been really great. So yeah. I'm really grateful that, yeah. And so thank you, Mother. Um, Father Maximus, how can people know more? Where can, is there anything else they can do to learn more other than just a one hour podcast? What would you say the next steps is, are? Is your thesis accessible? Like, can we, uh, can we yeah, post I, it I on it our is. website and stuff? Uh, I, I think it's on, I think it's might be on the monastery website. If not, I can have it put on. Okay, thank um, you. It's, it, I mean, it's a, it's a bit technical, um, but I don't know of any other um, treatment that, that I could um, really refer, refer you to at the moment, at this point. I did um, do a, a video series uh, for um, uh, Jack Fiegel and uh, um, Orientale Lumen. Um, so you can, uh, it's probably behind a paywall, but you, you can through that um, website get hold of uh, me when I was much younger and then more, uh, less gray in my beard, um, do a little s- series of talks on that. We will, uh, we'll link to that, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think, I think, some, I think perhaps just read St. John's Gospel. Mm, beautiful. Mm. And also your namesake. I mean, he said, he, obviously your, your uh, your thesis quotes him heavily and 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 touches yeah. on his thoughts. So after you read Father's uh, thesis, you know the, he 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 obviously refers to a lot of the the sources of this, including Saint John's Gospel, um, Saint Paul, and also the the original fathers who who elucidated that a little better too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, any any final words, Father? We'll finish with with prayer intentions. Anything else you'd have on your mind? No. 
Okay. Uh, you, you've, you've exhausted me. <laughs> in, in multiple ways. Sorry about that. <laughs> exhausted all, the, uh, all my uh, capacity for, for the thought. Amen. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for taking the time to do this. And thank you for, for utilizing God's gifts that he's given you. He's obviously given you gifts for both pastoral ministry and academic and scholarly ability. So I thank God for those as well. Thank you. Yeah, I was telling I was telling Father Michael when we when we were talking about asking you to come on, Father Maximus. Just I was like, I I knew that you would do an amazing job, and I think you did because I you know I I went to Father Maximus for um, retreat a few years ago, and retreat with him is where um, it was during that retreat that I decided to write the letter asking to make my life profession, and Father Maximus played played a significant role in that. Um, in, in just like really being Jesus for me in that and in guiding me. But, you know, throughout the retreat, I was just so struck by uh, both in, in our meetings of direction, but also in your homilies. Like you have a great gift, Father Maximus, for, for really being convicting and, and giving a strong message, but with absolute um, charity. Like I, at no, at no point in any of our meetings or anything, like, did I doubt your love for me, you know, um, oh, or the Lord's you. love for me. So, yeah. Father Moses may have a just different opinion. <laughs> <laughs> ah, community well, life. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll post on our social media and on the notes for this. We'll get everything we can. Your um, Eastern Christian Publications talk. Um, or Intel Lumen, also your your thesis. Maybe we'll link to your your website, Holy Resurrection Monastery. Um, if you can get that up, Father, I think that'd be helpful sure. to to many. Um, and anything else we can do. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give the spiel for where we are accessible, Father. If you want to have a, a prayer intention ready when I'm sure. done, so that we have our listeners pray. So, all right, all. Thank you for listening. Um, we are available for interaction on our, our email address, uh, what God is not podcast at gmail.com. We have a website, what God is not.com. We have a, uh, Instagram page, a Facebook page. I'm on Twitter at Padre, Padre Michael O. We have a Goodreads page where we uh, discuss and our media team, and you can discuss as well, what you are reading, what we're reading. Uh, we also are on YouTube audio only on YouTube. Um, we have a nonprofit called Fotina that uh, supports and works towards evangelization after our namesake, the Samaritan woman. Um, also serves the poor and the hungry, thirsty, strangers, naked, ill, imprisoned. Also supports other similar ministries in the church and also supports the church, both for eparchies. Uh, that's Fotina.org. Uh, we also have a Patreon so you can support us there and all that money does go to our nonprofit, Fotina. Um I think that is everything, um, unless you think of something else, Mother. So, all right, jumping right into prayer intentions then. Um, I think with this topic, it's important to pray uh, for two, I'll just emphasize two main uh, areas or two main groups of people. I, I think those with just anybody who's had miscarriages um, in any way, uh, that, 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 that process of mourning and the sadness um, to understand what that is and that that anybody who's had miscarriages, um, families, entire families can understand and, and find um, in this uh, opportunity, hope, and movement towards uh, peace and stillness. And the same thing with anybody with PTSD, especially anybody who returned or observed, observed great violence um, and understanding 
the healing that comes through that as well. I'll also add to that anybody who's who suffers from scrupulosity um, that that's that's a, a big bane and it's it's hard for those who suffer with scrupulosity to understand these concepts. Um, but I also think they can be very very healing and also those like me who suffer from being too presumptive and um, and and aren't aren't understanding or or allowing themselves to really feel. Uh, the the harm that we can do in the world through through our sin, um, and and how that needs to be dealt with as well uh, through through confession and and moving on from these things. Mother, I'll ask for prayers for my confessor. I won't maybe announce on the podcast who my confessor is, but uh, um, and and I would ask all of our listeners to if you have a regular confessor, pray for your confessor as well. Uh, but just pray for for priests in general that they have um, that they're receptive to to the graces that um, make for the most fruitful possible confessions. Regardless of the confessor, regardless of their personality, you know we need to to trust in the grace of the mystery um, and just the objective forgiveness that comes through absolution of an ordained priest. Uh, but also, you know, the priest can can add to that experience sometimes. So pray for pray for our priests. I would uh, like to pray for all those who love us and those who hate us. Uh, for all those who, uh, especially especially since we we mentioned them, the uh, all the victims of the most recent shooting and, and all the acts of horrible violence against children. Amen. Um, and for my community, um, the, the Sisterhood of uh, Christ the Broken Monastery, um, for all the monastics in this in this uh, country and in the world, and for the growth in, in monasticism, especially in Southern California. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that will like, give all that to the Lord. Wonderful. Thank you, Father. Thank you, listeners. Love you all. Uh, love you, you Mother. <laughs> uh, good, good to see your face, even though other people can't. And um, mm-hmm. thank you for the time. Okay. And uh, Father Maximus, will you please give a blessing? Christ our God, bless your servants in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.